0: Welcome to the Agents of Innovation Podcast, where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Okay, I want to welcome my guest, Steve Cesari, to the Agents of Innovation Podcast. Uh, Steve is the president and uh, CEO of um, Cesari Companies. And uh, I'm here, actually, in Atlanta, Georgia, visiting with Steve, and uh, it's such a pleasure to finally meet you in person.
1: Yeah, we've talked quite a bit. Uh, We were introduced by a mutual friend, and and again, just seem to be a lot of uh, common points of interest, and so I'm glad you're here and that we made the time to be able to put this podcast together.
0: Yeah, thank you. And so, Steve, you've had quite an extensive history in business, uh, branding, all sorts of marketing strategies, everything. Uh, You've worked in... uh, Let's see, sports, uh, apparel companies, healthcare. Uh, so, can you take us back to the beginning before we get to all of that? Can you tell me a little bit about what your first job in life was?
1: Oh my Could God. be as a kid, yeah.
0: And uh, and maybe you know something you learned from it. Well,
1: yeah. My my uh, first of all, I was one of eight kids. Uh, grew up in a small town uh, in Westchester County, New York, called Valhalla. My dad owned a grocery store, so that was my first job working. Uh, I believe it was for like $0.25 an hour, uh, bagging groceries, uh, lifting inventory from the basement to bring it back up and restock the shelves, and then carrying groceries out to the cars uh, for people. And, And basically, what I learned there, number one, hard work. Uh, my dad probably worked 70, 80 hours a week. Uh, I also learned uh, the importance of of, of really uh, being focused on your customers and and helping them. And again, while a lot of other places, you know, c- customers would carry their own groceries out, we carried groceries out. We delivered groceries to people. And and one thing that really stuck out to me, uh, Francisco, is, is is I remember at the end of the month, my dad would take all of the kids and we would take kind of the accounts receivable because he let people kind of charge on open credit, uh, and we would fill out the statements. And there were always people that couldn't or wouldn't pay and my dad just kind of kept letting those slide, you know, underneath the radar. So um, not only was he in business to make money, but to make a difference. And so I've kind of carried that with me through, you know, everything that I've done, and, and try to preach that not only to my troops, but to create that culture in the other companies that I work with.
0: Well, that's really great that your father, you know, uh, was not just there, like you said, to make uh, a profit and to uh, make a living but to make a difference. Yeah. And uh, I think I've seen that carry through. I've watched some of your your talks on YouTube and things like that, and I think uh, it sounds like you really try to make a difference and also try to help other people to understand how they make a difference. So I wanna get into all that in a bit, but let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about your story of, you know, let's say uh, beginnings of your career. Where would you say sure. you started that?
1: Yeah, um, I, I went to college up in Boston. I played football. And my senior year, I got hit in the head, knocked out, total amnesia, so had to take a medical leave of absence from school. Um, Mm. And I say that uh, because it's relevant, because when I was there playing football, I didn't go to class a whole lot. Uh, I was out of school for a year. I went back, uh, and and I had like three or four semesters, and I finished. uh, I was in business administration, uh, and I came out, and this is the truth, the first three jobs I had, I got fired. So I learned pretty quickly uh, if I was going to have to make a living, uh, I was going to have to do it as an entrepreneur. And so I went down that path. Uh, because so basically, you're saying, uh, you couldn't, uh, people were just firing you, so you got to go get your own job. Well, you gotta well, again, your own job. well and again, it, when I say they fired me, it's because I, I knew I could do stuff better than they could. I would challenge their thinking. I would like, why don't we do it this way? You know, And again, uh, it, it was just I had a difficult time working for other people uh, that that weren't doing things the way I would have done it. I work really well with teams when we have a consistent mission, and and again, have built teams my whole life, so uh, I, again, it was more just getting me into the niche that I needed to be in, uh, and sometimes it's uh, by hook, sometimes it's by crook, but I got there, and, and, and again, I, I just thank God every day that, uh, I, again, I had that experience to know that I had to be an entrepreneur in order to do the things that I wanted to do, so.
0: Yeah, you know, I've had, I've had a few entrepreneurs on this podcast that have kind of expressed similar things. They said, you know, I... I could work for someone else, I've done it, but then I get to a point where I kind of figure out how things could be do, how things could be run better. Yeah. And uh, you know, as I put that up the chain, no one wants to hear it or no yeah. one wants to implement it, and it gets me frustrated because uh, an entrepreneur has a kind of mindset where they want to they want to improve, they want to do things better, they want to help the company. You know, they want to get more sales. You know, yeah. whatever it is, and when they see those roadblocks, they go, "I could do this better." Let me just go start my own thing.
1: Yeah, and 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 again, I, I it's just different personalities, not right, not wrong, just different and I'm a ready-fire-aim type of guy, okay? Yeah. I'm like, okay, I need real-world feedback. I don't want to sit in a room and analyze and get paralysis by analysis, so I will go out and try something and, again, learn from uh, the, the 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 mistakes or learn from the successes. And, and, again, to me, mistakes aren't mistakes. One of my favorite sayings is, you know, I know what I know, but more importantly, I know what I don't know, and and and, and most of my successes come by surrounding myself with people a lot smarter than me. And, again, a mistake's only a mistake if you keep doing it over. Again, uh, but again, what I found—if you learn from it—it's not a mistake, but rather part of the process of gaining wisdom on how to do it better the next time. And so, with any failures I might have had, I, I learned from them and used them to help create the—you know—the successes that I've been able to achieve in in, in in business and in life.
0: Well, I think that's important because um, you know I'm sitting here with you. You're a successful guy. Um, you've been through you know many years uh, in different businesses and. You're you're an author. We'll get to that in a little bit. You're a public speaker, uh, but a lot of people might come across you. Maybe somebody who's come to a conference and they see Steve Cesari on stage talking all about this experience. And you just said you got to learn from failure, but when you're in that actual moment of failure, that day of failure, that week of failure, whatever it is, um, it's it's very difficult to say, "Oh, great, this is a learning opportunity," right? Uh, so what what can you what advice can you give to somebody who's in the in the actual um, time uh, yeah. of going through failure, maybe they are their business has gone bankrupt. They can't make money. They're they can't pay their bills. They're you know sweating it out. They've got to lay off employees if they have some. You know whatever it is. What can you talk to them about? Uh, what they can do in the process of being in failure at that moment.
1: Yeah. And and again, it's always difficult to see the forest for the trees when you're in the midst of a crisis, whatever it is, either personally or professionally. Um, uh, And again, what I think I've learned over time and the best advice I could give, uh, again, you're going to feel the pain of it. Uh, You uh, you don't Mm -hmm. try to pretend it's not there, but I've kind of moved from asking, you know, why, why is this happening to me? You know, to, okay, what can I learn through this process? Uh, what is it that I can take away from this that's going to help make me better or, or create a better opportunity uh, next time this happens? And, and, and again, I, I work with a group of men. I've been doing this for 30 years called Iron Men uh, to help equip and encourage them to be a positive impact at home, at work, and in the community. And literally my message over the years, lots of stories, lots of different things, but basically manhood means moving. And, and, and womanhood too. Regardless of what's going on in your life, you need to continue to take action to move in the direction you want to go. Action overcomes fear. Action overcomes worry. Action overcomes almost uh, anything that is going to be pulling at you. And again, what I found is that if you sit and dwell on whatever that fa- uh, failure or mistake is, it just gets worse. Instead of trying to take what's the next step, what's the next action, who can you call, who is a uh, A a relationship or somebody that's been through it that can talk you through it and encourage you and help you through that process I think that's excellent and uh, that's what I try to preach through my
0: company I started fearless journeys um, just keep moving forward right through it and I like what you just said find that next step and maybe find people resources I think that's also the importance of having mentors being part of groups like Ironman can you tell us a little bit more about Ironman why? Why you started it? Who's involved? What kind of things you guys do together?
1: Yeah, I actually founded it over uh, uh, thirty years ago, uh, and and the senior minister at our church was looking. You know, guys have a, you know, you have your home and you have you have business, and he was looking to create a third space, and and literally that's what Ironman became a place. Uh, again for guys to gather to learn uh from the wisdom and mistakes of other people and and, and francisco you know this there's uh, you know o- o- over the 30 years i've been doing this you know there's nothing anybody's been through or has gone through or that I've gone through, you know, that, 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 that is new. It's just, you know, unique to the person going through it. But when people find out, wow, I'm not the only one that ever went through that. I'm not the only one that ever went through a divorce, a bankruptcy, uh, you know, whatever it might've been, uh, not from misery loves company. Well, maybe a little bit at first, (laughs) but, but from the perspective, Hey, Steve got through it. Francisco got through it. John got through it. Let me show you how to make that happen. And, And again, there's always, you know, the, the psychological process of, of mourning and, you know, getting caught in the moment. And, and again, what, what I try to do is really just encourage people through that process, which comes down to the other thing. You mentioned mentors, having an inner circle group of, of people that are, you know, that know kind of the good, the bad and the ugly about you and are there to, to love on you, support you, encourage you uh, in the good times, into the bad times and, and, and through the process. And, and again, I have four or five guys like that in my life. That have seen the high highs and the low lows, and literally are my first or second call whenever there's something that I got to deal with. That's
0: really great. So, Ironman is that something specific here in Atlanta? Is it beyond
1: this area? I, Ironman is is specific, This group is specific to Atlanta, and and basically, I got about a hundred to one hundred and fifty guys that meet every Tuesday morning. At 7 a.m., uh, we come in, we do a 10- or 15-minute talk on a topic, and then we sit around tables of 8 to 10 guys and talk about specific questions uh, uh, based on whatever the so topic it's a was weekly up front. It's a, it's a it's a it's a week It's a weekly uh, uh, gathering here in Atlanta. And again, I, that kind of sprung from, uh, I was on the board of directors when I was out in Seattle of a group called Pro Athletes Outreach. Uh, which was a, a ministry to pro athletes to help them. It seemed like when when, when guys got into the uh, professional ranks, they either found religion or they found sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And this kind of gave them the other path, again, to equip, encourage them to be a positive impact at home, at work, and in the community. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where I learned it. And then brought it back here and 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 literally when I came to Atlanta needed a group of guys to surround myself with. So started it, it you know, it started out really small, you know, 10, 20, 30 guys, and then morphed into about 100, 150 guys that meet uh, every And week. it's a
0: faith-based uh, it, group? It, it,
1: it, it's faith-based, but you don't have to have a faith to come in and it doesn't matter where your faith is. And, and again, I just want to talk about that for a moment because, again, that's pretty much what I kind of preach to people all the time. I call it the five F. Faith, family, friends, finance, and fitness equals fulfillment in life. And so what I try to do when I work with entrepreneurs and other people is really help them focus on each one of those areas uh, to grow and expand. And again, uh, you know, I'm a Christian, but whatever your faith is, how do you embrace that? And how do you grow in that? And how do you have people holding you accountable for it? And, and what I've found is you know, the two Fs on either end, the faith and the fitness, have the biggest ripple effect because when you get your faith right, when you have your health and energy and vitality, you, you have more productive, so your finances flourish, your relationships flourish, and all those other things really benefit when you're focused on the whole pie and not just making money.
0: Totally agree with you, and it's it's really the faith and the fitness is the foundation of, of your health and wellness and, I, I, and yeah. how you can perform in everything you do in life, including your career, your business, right? Um, and so I, th- I think those things are so important. Uh, so Steve, uh, getting back to uh, your story of your career, tell me a little bit. I know you, um,
1: you had been involved in the, uh, was it sports apparel? Uh, I had yeah I I owned uh, one of my first businesses it was called Champ Sports Shop that's what brought me here to Atlanta Uh, at one point I owned three of these uh, uh, franchises well they weren't franchises they were corporate stores Mm. and their growth strategy there were two main business owners uh, Rick and Pat uh, and basically they ran out of family and I was the first (laughs) non-family member that would be kind of the owner operator and so uh, literally started down in Panama City Florida uh, and then came up here to Atlanta and opened up Champ Sports Shop at Lenox Square. And, and I like to say, you know, that experience, that was a great learning experience for me. But I learned more about what not to do in business. Uh, you know, the, the, and I'm not going to go real deep into it, but just these guys kind of skirted the way you should conduct business, um, uh, you know, keeping two sets of books and, you know, just writing off expensive cars on the on, on the company. Mm. And I just always told myself if, Not if, but when I started my own company, that I was going to do it differently and I was going to really try to do it uh, from a high integrity standpoint. And again, to me, uh, you can learn from every moment in life. And one of my favorite quotes is, everything we've experienced has prepared us for what we're supposed to do next. And that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. So again, when you go back to whatever, wherever you may be in life, if you're in a down moment, just... Continue to ask yourself and write down, what can I learn going through this process that's going to help me down the uh, down the road? And then start setting some goals and visions for how you want your life to be or how you want your business to be. Because, again, I'm a big believer if you can think it, you can do it. The problem is people get stuck, as I talk about in my book, into stinking thinking, and they start getting negative self-talk, and they start talking down on themselves. And I always ask the clients and the people I work with, what are you saying to yourself about yourself? And again, sometimes we're our own worst enemy when it comes to that. So. Uh, lots of things that go on. And when I talk about fitness, I'm not just talking physical. I'm talking emotional. I'm talking, you know, mental. Because uh, all of those things are really, really important in building into you becoming the person that you're striving to become.
0: Yeah, no, I think all of that is great. Uh, and, uh, boy, just listening to you here has been great. And, you know, when you talk about writing things down, you know, people, uh, that can be journaling, right? Yeah. Uh, and I've been noticing that from a lot of successful entrepreneurial people. Um, they're they're getting good at, at writing their day down, their their thoughts. Yeah. Like, you know, it's also those things, you know, uh, sometimes we you know, we say because we're, especially people of action, we're constantly going. Sometimes when we get those moments to disconnect, sometimes it's just uh, five minutes in the shower, right? Yeah. You, get, you get those thoughts in the shower and you're like, you know, just, hey, go write them down afterwards uh, because sometimes, you know, we have like, I think I heard this in your in your talk sixty four thousand thoughts a day or something. I was like sixty four thousand thoughts a day, yeah. um, and so um, some of them we probably don't even comprehend, right? Yeah. But but the ones that we really do, um, you know, like you said, write them down, think about it. But as you're going through life, even just your feelings, your thoughts, whatever, uh, that could also be therapeutic, not just. Uh, Good to put down goals and visions, but also you know, in a way getting getting things off your chest. Yeah,
1: and and, and again, you know, just going back to that, the average person has over sixty four thousand thoughts a day, and and again, as <laughs> I jokingly said, for guys it's even worse because sixty thousand of those thoughts are about one thing. So it's real important on how you program your mind, what we let in. Uh, and then once it's in there, again, it, it's not garbage in, garbage out. It's garbage in, it stays in. So, again, real important. Uh, my, my former partner, Tommy Newberry, calls it positive mental nutrition. What are we listening to? What are we watching? And is that okay? Is that going to move us in the direction that we want to go? So I, I, I think, again, it's real, real important that you help to program yourself and move yourself in the right direction. And and then, you know, what are you saying to yourself about yourself? I, I, I have... I have a you know five or six different affirmations on my on my refrigerator uh I'm 68 years old I have four kids seven grandkids and another one coming so I have a picture of my wow. grandbabies up there you know and some of my affirmations are uh, uh you know I can do anything I can accomplish anything I put my mind on I have the energy to accomplish anything I want to do food is fuel uh, movement is medicine. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and 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 then just talk about you know inspiring other people around me to do the same thing. So again, for me, I need a, confront, a constant reaffirmation of keeping my mind programmed to move forward and do the things that I want to do. Um, I'm reading a great book right now. I just finished reading it called The Big Leap uh, by uh, Gay Hendricks. And basically, he talks in there. He's a Stanford-educated PhD psychologist who has uh, interviewed and worked with thousands of people. And basically, he says, uh, uh, either consciously or subconsciously, we self-destruct when we get into what he calls our our zone of genius. You know, when we're working at a level that we're capable of working at mm. because of either our past or the stories that other people have told us that we will start getting into that stinking thinking again, my words, and talk ourselves out of success. And again, I've found myself doing that uh you know, over time and have really learned uh, that I constantly have to surround myself with people to lift me up and encourage me and I have to do the same for other people and that I need to program my brain every day to make sure that it's going down the path that I want it to go down.
0: Well, uh, this, this is all really amazing. And Steve, uh, I, I think our listeners probably right now this is just like a fire hydrant of information, uh, because uh, you're—I mean—you're just spewing out so much wisdom all—all all, all together. I do want to take this moment to remind people, uh, you know, to subscribe to the Agents of Innovation podcast if you haven't done that, whatever platform you're listening. I know we're on Apple, Spotify, YouTube now. I'm doing these on on YouTube, putting the yeah. full videos up, so it's really fun um, to do that because. This is a fire hydrant. Sometimes listening to these entrepreneurs like Steve, who have just so much information uh, and to to uh, to share, and I hope that you'll share this podcast with other people so they they can hear and be inspired by Steve like I am. That's why I'm sitting here in Atlanta with him right now. Um, but Steve, you you moved through uh, this period with. Uh, um, so you, you started you you were you were with um, Champs you remember you, yep. you mentioned
1: that uh, own and operating what three stores yeah three stores and, um, and then uh, you moved on did you start your own um, yeah my brother and I had been trying to get into business my younger brother Rick for yeah uh, you know, like ten years and he calls me up and he says hey I need. I need $50,000. I got a business opportunity. And, and and I was like, well, if you want to borrow the money, I come with it. So uh, we worked out the dynamics. He was out in Seattle. I was in Atlanta. I started commuting to, uh, to Seattle. And on a $50,000 home equity line of credit, we started a company called Trillium Health Products, and we marketed a product called the Juice Man Juicer. And literally grew that company from zero to almost $100 million in revenue in three and a half years. Wow, that's amazing. and, And commuted back and forth between Atlanta... And, and, and Seattle for a year and a half, and then when the company got stable and secure, moved the family out there, and, and then we sold the company at the end of 1992. Uh, and again, just learned a whole lot through the process uh, of, of, of growing that company, and, 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 and that's really what kind of created the five Fs, that the most important things in life are the things that money can't buy, your faith, your family, and your friends. So uh, yeah, it was a great, great experience. As you know, we were nominated by Inc. Magazine as Entrepreneurs of the Year. Wow. We were ranked by Inc. Magazine as one of the top three fastest privately held comp- growing companies in the United States, uh, and and it was just a, a, a great ride. And then uh coincidentally the following year we were ranked by and I joke about this mad magazine as one of the fastest shrinking companies in the United States and again I learned more coming down the ladder of success than I did going up again learning from failures learning you know what what you know what caused that what happened how did we get here and then how do I take this and create a platform to move forward and, and literally that's what kind of created my, my coaching and consulting company to help other companies avoid some of the, the mistakes and challenges that we went through and help them uh, develop a clear path to get to uh, whatever their end result are personally or professionally to create sec- success uh, for them in either building their business or building their life. So I listened to a talk of yours where you were talking about um,
0: you know building this juicing company and you were flying between uh, Atlanta and Seattle before you moved out there for a little bit, and Atlanta's a great place to fly from, right? I mean the flights coming yeah. here you had you have Delta now you had Eastern Airlines then, and I heard you talk it said you would you were selling
1: juicers on the plane uh, I, uh, to other co- to other passengers. Well, and again this this is a, a, a again a point that's really important. Uh, and I share with people all the time if you're not passionate about what you do for a living, how can you expect anybody else to be? And literally, uh, a, 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 again, I would fly, on, I probably had a million and a half miles on Eastern Airline, then they went bankrupt. So, <sighs> and, and again, I would fly Eastern um, because it was the cheapest. Uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a million miler uh, with Delta now, but uh, I flew Eastern and I didn't fly first class because again, I just, even though we had the money to do it, was always kind of bottom line oriented with the business. Um... But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, we communed, and when I would sit on that plane, you know, they, this was back in the day where they still served you what they called food, which I'm not quite <laughs> sure it was. And and again, it we was were, a meal, it wasn't yeah, Peanuts. Yeah. And, and we were in the health and nutrition business, and our mission was to educate people about good health and proper nutrition, and provide them with quality products to live the healthiest you know uh, uh, life they could. And so I'd start talking to people, you know, the, the proverbial. So what do you do for a living? And by the end of the trip. I will have would have sold a juicer to them that paid for my flight. Again, be, not because we had to sell it, but because I was so passionate about it, and I knew that it would if they changed their dietary habits and incorporated juicing into their life, they were going to have more energy, they were going to think clearer, and they could be more productive. And I would say probably ninety percent of the time, I actually sold a juicer going out and a juicer coming back that paid for my flight. So that's amazing. Yeah. Um,
0: and. Uh, so was it in that business or uh, when you moved into some more coaching
1: and consulting? Because I also heard the story about the George Foreman Grill. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the, the George, well, again, we sold our company. Uh, and then uh, the company that bought us had a product uh, that they were marketing. And, and they came to my brother, who was still out in Seattle. I came back to Atlanta. Uh, and we both worked uh, w- w- with George Foreman uh, on a little different uh, level. And, and. Hopefully not they, in the ring. No. no. <laughs> and so, and so, um, you know, they came to us with this product called uh, the Taco Express. And, 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 and then literally uh, my brother went in and helped to rebrand it. Uh, get a spokesperson to get involved with it. And again, it's a funny story how that came to pass because there were two products. There was this Taco Express and then there was this thing called the Thunder Blender. And literally um, the agents of Hulk Hogan uh, and, and George Foreman uh, were called about the opportunity. George's uh, uh, agency got back like half a day before Hulk Hogan's and George got what became known as the George Foreman Grill. It was rebranded from the Taco Express to the George Foreman Grill. And and again, I think the story you're uh, uh, alluding to is that when we uh, launched the infomercial, we had George Foreman sitting in the ring with his heavyweight belt on and his, his boxing gloves. And he was like, you know, knock out the fat. And this was like, you know, a couple of guys sitting in a room say, hey, won't this be cool? And then literally after spending like a half a million dollars, we were getting horrible KPIs the key performance indicators on you know the return we should have been getting for this. And then when we sat down and analyzed what was happening, we realized that over 80% of the people watching were women. Mm. So we took George out of the ring, put him in a kitchen, take, took off his heavyweight belt and robe, put on an, uh, an apron and gave him a female host and literally – that show went on to do hundreds of millions of you basically dollars. Basically, domesticated George Foreman. Well, domesticated <laughs> it. But again, the point being that, because this is still relevant, 100% relevant today, you have to know who is your audience. And what's the message that resonates with them? You know, whether it's social media, digital marketing, whatever it is, how do you connect with your audience? And to me, you know, the th- lessons we learned through the Juice Man and the George Foreman Grill and then, uh, uh, again, just many, many other brands that were built from zero to, you know, uh, over a million to $100 million in revenue is who's your target audience? What is the issue that they're struggling with? How does my product or service uniquely uh, uh, solve that issue, and then how do I connect with that customer with the right message to make sure that, uh, that they're, they're understanding how that happens. And, and again, we did that to the tune of, you know, several billion dollars direct to consumer by really understanding those metrics.
0: Yeah, by the way, a lot of the things I've heard through your talks and, and just sitting here listening to you, things I've observed, um, I've, I've actually, uh, am in the final stages of, of uh, finishing my book, on entrepreneurship, and you know, uh, you you mentioned some of these things. Uh, entrepreneurs are people of action. You know, entrepreneurs, you got to have love and passion. Um, you, t- uh, I heard you in your talk talk about um, entrepreneurs are, are intentional yeah. uh, as well. So these are some things I've also like. You know, uh, these are these are all in the introduction of my book. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, that's going to be some of the top characteristics of entrepreneurs. So um, I'm glad I'm uh, following the right path because I know you're uh, a lot more experienced and has seen a lot more uh, in business than I have. So, but but I think these are some of the common traits. You know, I've interviewed over 110 people now on yeah. this on this podcast, and just to hear these over and over again, the same kind of themes. Um, that we could all be learning from my uh, our my our, our mutual friend Carter Fowler, who put us in touch um, originally. You know, Carter uh, a little over a year ago introduced me to a book called um, "The Greatest Salesman in the World," right? And uh, read it several times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Og right? Yeah. And uh, it's funny when he first told me about this book, he said, "Okay, Francisco, this book. You have to read this book." Um, every chapter, which is like five pages, they're, they're, they're known as scrolls in the book, right. right? I think there's about 10 or so right. of them. Um, you have to stay on each scroll for 30 days, and you got to read it three times a day, morning, midday, and before you go to bed. Yeah. And you're going to spend a year with this book. And I said a year, so I said, I need, I need a few months to, to get my mind ready for this book. But I did, and I'm actually uh, just just finishing it now. I was, I'm on the last scroll. So it's great. But I, I, I mentioned that because of something you said a little earlier, that these mantras we say to ourselves, and I really feel like that book is what that book is kind of offering us a mantra uh, every day to kind of ingrain in ourselves. You know, one whole scroll is all yeah. about habits. Um, another one might be about faith, you know, and yeah. all these sorts of things. And so it's um, uh, kind of ingraining that in you uh, every day so that you have this foundation to think more clearly and more purposely and more yeah. intentionally, have gratitude you know all these sorts of things that kind of I think make you a better person, and so it's funny because I, I have this book sitting there sometimes that people see me reading it all the time, and they just see the headline, the greatest salesman of the world, and I, in the world, and you know when I see that too, it, it sounds like a sales book, yeah. Um, and I, I guess it's it, it it is great for salespeople, and and we should as uh, people who are entrepreneurs, you know, are always selling, right? But it's um it's it's really giving you the. The foundation of what it means to be a great salesman to to be to be out there, you know, um, uh, being your being being your best self, I guess you could say. So yeah, talk a little bit more about the. the Well, well, it,
1: it comes back to if you're not passionate about what you do, and again, you can have the best product or service in the world, but if you can't communicate it to the general population, then you know, you're not going to be in business. And and, and so, uh, again, I think that's part of the process that we are all salesmen. You said this before, we're all selling something, a product or service ourselves. When you're interviewing for a job, you're selling yourself to a prospective employer and learning how to do that and be confident and have the positive, you know, thoughts going through your head. uh, You know, I deserve, and I'll give you another example Uh, I actually launched a line of products on the shopping channel up in Canada. And and I went up there and literally, you're in front of the camera for 10 minutes and then you go back into the green room and there's a screen that tells you exactly what you sold or what you didn't sell. Mm. And so I'm there, my first show was like at 6.15 in the morning and then I had five other shows after it. And so I went on the first show, obviously early in the morning, not as many people looking, but I sold three units of the product, okay? And and I'm supposed to average like $20,000 per show. And so I walked I walked back and I literally pa- I wanted to pack my bag. I, I swear I I almost started walking out the door. I did not want to go back out there for five more shows. I felt like a total failure. And I mean it's sitting right there in front of Stephen Steven, you practiced your whole life and you sold 3 bottles of vitamins. OK, I mean, just I mean, I'm getting that I'm getting the the, the, the the same guttural feeling right now that I had, you know, almost 20 years ago. And so I called up my business partner, Tommy Newberry, who happens now to be a New York Times bestselling author uh, and, and just a, a, a great mentor and friend. Uh, and and we were partners for for about three and a half years in his coaching practice and helped help build that. And so uh, Tommy took me through these positive affirmations. I, I am good, I'm the best there is, people need to hear what I have to say. Uh, people will benefit. They will get... Be- and all of a sudden, I can even sitting here right now as I start saying that, mm-hmm. go from that, that negative guttural feeling that you just saw me. I just perked up in yeah. my seat and, and I'm getting goosebumps. And, and literally, I walked back out there after like 15 minutes of all of these positive affirmations and then I averaged over $23,000 for the ne- in each of the next three shows. But literally, I almost walked out the door and if I did... It would have been a a, a, a a negative blemish mentally, physically, emotionally the rest of my life. And this is what we talk about when I say, you got to push through the moment. Okay. Uh, uh, we, we were just away on a trip. I told you on a, on a sailboat trip to the South Pacific and met a couple out there. Uh, and they uh, they were really, really successful photographers. Uh, and literally, I, I asked them, so what's the secret to your success? They've won Pulitzer Prizes. They've been interviewed by presidents. I, I mean, it was amazing. And they were the most unassuming people you would ever meet. You wouldn't know it walking up to them. And had a, a chance to have a dinner with them. And I said, so what do you think is the secret to fulfillment in life? Because you guys have done so much you've traveled around the world and been acknowledged for what you've done and you love doing what you're doing and had no idea that it was gonna morph into this incredible recognition. And, and this woman hesitates for a while and she says, overcoming fear, overcoming fear, um, fear of failure, fear of success. What happens if I succeed and everybody's gonna expect me to do it again? And again, I just got those goosebumps again. Um, uh, Francisco because again that's where most people are stuck they're stuck in that little box of fear and they're afraid to step out of it what would people say what would people think well my dad tried that and failed how could you expect me to go and do that and yet that's, that's where the rubber hits the road and people always say to me well Stephen what's the difference between the people that do and the people that don't and I said listen to this this is very profound this is very profound this will change your life The people that do, do, and the people that don't, don't. Everybody has dreams. Everybody has fears. But the people that do push through them and take action and take the next step towards whatever that vision or goal or opportunity is. And again, to me, I boil it down to two things to be successful in life, surrounding yourself with the right people and finding the right opportunities based on whatever gifts God has blessed you with. And if you can do those two things, Uh, You will uh, have a clearer path to get to the place that you want to be. Surrounding yourself with the right people, that means you have to say no to the wrong people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, and this isn't being judgmental about people. This is just surrounding yourself with people that are going to lift you up, encourage you, mentor you, coach you, uh, help you through the tough times are there. I know the four guys that are going to carry my coffin or my ashes at the end of it, okay, because they've been with me my whole life. Okay, and that has been nurtured and developed. And there might be more, but I'm not looking to grow really deep. That's hard. It takes a lifetime to really grow relationships like that. Uh, And and, and so my question to your listeners would be, who are the people that are going to be carrying your ashes or your box when it's all over? Who are the people that know the good, the bad, and the ugly about you and love you anyway and are there to encourage you and lift you up? And again, this is personally and professionally. You mentioned that word intentionality before. That's what my book, Clarity, is all about. How do you be intentional on a personal and professional level to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish? And the only thing standing in the way of your success and my success is fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of what happens if we do, what if we don't. And, 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 and so if you can get anything out of today, it would be the encouragement to find whatever that next step is to move you out of that box of fear, whether it's on a personal or professional level.
0: Yeah, Steve, so much there. It's awesome. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, the more I talk to people, um, uh, like the people you met um, on your vacation is, uh, is, is, is fear. I mean, it's, it's yeah. fear is the thing that people got to push through. You know, it's partially why I named my community Fearless Journeys, although to be honest with you, when we came to that, and by the way, I hired Carter to be my brand guy. Yeah. So we we were sitting here in Atlanta two years ago, right, June of 2020, yeah. and um, we um, we put on the board at the end of our... We had been doing branding sessions by Zoom for about six weeks. Um, we were putting all the things together. You know, I didn't even know I was starting a business. Right at the beginning of it, it was just like, "What I'm doing all these things on the side? What can I do? What can I offer the world? All these sorts of things. Uh, Maybe how? What what can I get paid for? You know, all these all these sorts of things." And um, and then we finished with two full days of sessions here in Atlanta. Brought in a couple friends into into uh, some of those sessions, and at the end of the day, we had the word "Fearless Journeys" on the. We had the name on the board, and I was like, "How did we get to that? Like, what? You know?" And but the idea that we got how we got there was. We wanted this to be a brand that emboldened people and inspired people and activated people. And, and when we started putting a lot of words on the board, you know, bold and courageous and all these yeah. things, and Fearless went up there, and we kind of liked it. And then on the other end, um, what we're going through today is your journey. What I've been doing on this podcast for seven years is trying to um, help people, the listeners, uh, understand the journey of the person I'm talking yeah. to because, as you mentioned, it's not... Um, you know, success doesn't happen overnight, and it's a, it's it's a journey. It's all of the formative things, not even just the thing you've done in that particular job, but all the things you've done in your life that prepared you for different moments. Yeah. And so that's where we got the word journeys, right? And uh, and I really liked it. And then plus I have a travel component in my community, and I was like, well, journeys kind of make sense with that too, right? Um, but you know, when we came to Fearless Journeys, I really wasn't whole, wholly sure about it that day because I thought we kind of got there so fast. Um, but then it kind of grew on me and. As I, I read more books, as I offer books in, you know we have a book club in our community and everything, I start seeing a pattern in all these books. I mean, all these very formative books from The Alchemist to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, oh, to yeah. all sorts of books. And they're constantly talking about fear. And they're talking about pushing past the fear. And that's the thing too. And uh, I always give a shout out to my friend, Matt Thomas, who also lives here in Atlanta. He has a great charity called Brawl for a Cause. Had him on the podcast, 2018. But he questioned me in September of 2020 when I told him I might be starting this company. And here's the name of it. He liked everything I wanted to do, but he questioned the name because he said, Francisco, you know, no one's truly fearless. And um, I didn't really know how to answer that that day. But I thought about it a little bit more over the next 24 hours. And I thought, you know, Matt's right. Everybody has some level of fear. Even the guys who I envision as fearless, the guys who stormed the beaches of Normandy on D-Day. They had to have fear um, as they saw what was coming at them, right? They saw their buddies dying on their on their left and right. And um, and yet, but then I thought about it. I said, yet, kind of what you said, despite the fear, yeah. they kept moving forward. And that's what I see in a, many different successful people. And they're going to, ha- you know, just because you move forward doesn't mean you're going to be successful in, in those things. But you're going to learn something through that.
1: Yeah. And, and 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 again, uh, I've been on the beaches of Normandy. I'm getting goosebumps mm. thinking about it. We actually, I go. we actually met uh, a, a gentleman uh, who took us on a tour. Who was 10 years old when that invasion happened. Wow! And and and, and so walked us through, you know, personal experiences, standing on the beaches, in the homes, and, and again, it just makes you really appreciate. And 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 literally, the French have American flag flying in their homes, yeah. as opposed to Paris, where they. Are a little more skeptical of of, of Americans, but yeah, it, it's amazing. And, and and what I thought about was number one, courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is moving through the fear. Mm-hmm. And and then when you talk about fearless journey, I, nobody's fearless, but they fear less as they take steps and take actions going through it. So I, I love the name. And 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 to me, it's 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 like action is what overcomes uh, fear. And the other aspect of it is I have my faith in fear. When my faith is up high, my fear is down low. When my fear is up high, my faith is down low. If I embrace the fear, I get stuck in the fear. If I embrace my faith, it moves mountains for me. So That's amazing. Yeah. So you um,
0: you also talked about your former business partner, Tommy Newberry? Tommy Newberry. And he wrote a book, Success is
1: Not an Accident, right? Success is Not an Accident, and then he and I did a program called Success is Not an Accident, Secrets of the Top 1%, and then he did the 4-8 principle based on Philippians 4-8, which again is all mindset. How do you create a joy-filled life? Well, you focus on what's right, Uh, and not on what's wrong. And and to give you an example, uh, with my wife, I can look at my wife, Indy. We've been married for 42 years and I can find five things wrong. She can look at me and find 10 things wrong uh, or I can look at her and find five things right. And here's the the secret. You really really need to to, to get this. You'll find whatever you're looking for. If you're trying to find what's wrong with the country, you're going to find it. But joy... And satisfaction and fulfillment come from finding what's right in your life, what's right with the people around you, what's right with our country, and counting your blessings and not counting your problems. Gratitude. And, oh, gratitude. Gratitude is a is a learned attitude, and we can all do it. And, you know, when I sit down to eat people, will say, are you allergic to anything? And I always respond, crabby people. <laughs> uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, and they laugh, but it's like, you know, we're in this world, and we can either – pull people down with our, you know, sad attitudes or we can lift them up. You know, when somebody says, well, how are you doing? I'm always like, it's all good in the neighborhood. You know, and they start laughing and chuckling. And then it's like, you know, how... I I, I always try to be... uh, And I don't do it all the time, but how can I make somebody else's life better? How can I lift them up? Is there somebody I can introduce them to? Can I buy them a sandwich? You know, uh, I I walked into a Jersey Mike's the other day, and I saw a homeless man sitting on the ground. And I walked in, and then again, that little voice said, oh my gosh, this guy's probably hungry. And then at that moment... I either choose to say, oh, this guy's a beggar. I'm not going to do anything. What's you know, Or I'm like, I'm going to buy two sandwiches and hand them one on the way out. Now, I'm not saying this to blow myself up. I, sometimes I walk right by this person. But we can either be, be people uh, to help unify and change the world. Uh, and not wait on the government or somebody else to do it and somebody told me this a long time ago one of the preachers andy stanley do for one what you want done for many yeah okay be 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 the agent of change be the positive impact be the person that's going to make a difference in somebody's life and 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 again it's going to have a ripple effect at some point that's the only way this world gets turned around is if we each take it one person one day at a time
0: yeah and you know i'm like you uh, i don't know how many people i probably walk Drive by that are homeless that are asking, got their hand yeah. out, whatever. But once in a while, I get that little voice that says, maybe, you know, and, and sometimes it's just looking in someone's eyes and going, oh, yeah. you know, this is, and I can't, same thing. I was walking into a Chick fil A, I don't know, five or six years ago in, in Orlando. Yeah. And a guy asked me for some money or something. I said, uh, you know, because he wanted to eat. And I said, well, why don't you come inside? Because I, I have a part philosophy. I don't like to give people money. Yeah. I don't yeah, know yeah. what they're doing with it. Yeah. I don't want to make their life worse if they're going to yeah, yeah, do yeah. something bad with it. Um, but I said I'll buy you uh I'll buy you lunch. And then you know what? I took it one step further that day because he he I you know, once he got handed the lunch, he started to I said, "Hey, you want to you want to sit down with me and have lunch?" Yeah. And then it was like we had a 20 30 minute conversation, oh, awesome. right? Yeah. And I think like it it shows some person like they 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 just think you don't care Okay, you know you're just passing by, giving them a dollar, giving them much, but to be able to sit down and have a conversation, y'all you know, just showed them some dignity, gave them some self worth, asked them some questions. In fact, uh, I, I guess I was so friendly with the with the guy. He asked me if I had an extra room that he could stay in, and I said, yeah. No, no, no.
1: I don't think we're I don't think we're that friendly just yet. So see, but 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 here here and, and here's the phrase that resonates with me with what you did is we all need to be more curious and less judgmental. Okay. Everybody has a here's the everybody has a story, but we don't take time to hear the story, and, and 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 literally, you know, I have people that you know pray all the time. You know, we pray for this, we pray for that, uh, and and again, I call out the three stages of prayer. In in number one, you know, it usually goes something like this: Dear God, gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give show me, show me, show me. Number two is you know, dear God, please help the Jones, the Smith, you know, everybody else, and then number three is. And this with where the rubber hits the road. Dear God, let me be the answer to somebody's prayer. Okay. And so that's how I like to look at life. How can I put myself in a position where I can be the answer to somebody's prayer, whether it's meal, housing, hunger, you know, whatever it is. Um, uh, to go out there and be part of a positive change that's going to create impact and influence uh, that are going to help people, not just with a handout, but a hand up. Yeah. And and that's how the world's going to change and become a better place.
0: Yeah, so uh, by the way, I like the program you had, Success is Not an accident. I have not read the book yet. The book's been on my list for a couple of years. Um, I had on this program, I think it was around episode 82 or something, um, uh, now Congressman Madison Cawthorn, he was running for office at the time, he had been, uh, you know, we had some mutual friends, and that's what put us in touch. And he had been in a car accident when he was 18 years old. When I interviewed yeah. him, he was 25. He's yeah. He took about a year and a half to recovery. But he talked to me on that interview, and he said, you know, I guess he had some suicidal thoughts because he said he pushed suicide out of his mind um, because it was just his whole life changed, right? I mean, now yeah. he can't walk. What was he going to do? But he said, you know, I decided um, I could either be a sad man in a wheelchair, or uh, I could just realize i'm in a wheelchair and just move forward with life right but he referenced the first time i ever heard that uh, name of that book he referenced that book tommy newberry yeah. and i thought about it later because i thought you know so what he was talking about was he he said i was very decisive and intentional from that point that i read that book yeah but i was also thinking that book maybe had a deeper meaning because that word accident was in there and he was actually in an yeah. accident a car accident yeah. um so uh, i think it's great and i want to read that book and i want to use it in the fearless journeys book club so um, I'll uh, I'll be in touch when well, I do well, that. I'll,
1: I'll do it one better. How about if I introduce you to Tommy and you can do a podcast with him? Oh, right that now. would be awesome. Yeah. So, uh, okay,
0: you heard it here, guys. You heard it here. <laughs> uh, but um, so that's great that you guys partnered together, did some programs together. Maybe you talk about that. But also, um, you mentioned your book, Clarity. Uh, the subtitle is How to Get It, How to Keep It, and How to Use It to Balance Your Life. And when we were just talking about fear and anxiety and all these things, but you said the uh, you were talking about maybe the answer to that in addition to pushing through it is to have clarity about where you're going so yeah. can you kind of embellish on that a little bit more
1: yeah I, and and again i'm going to go back to the second date with my wife um back in gosh that, that, that long time ago well forty <laughs> forty forty three 40 43 years ago and we're on our second date and i was like so what do you want to do with your life and she says well i want four kids before i'm 30 i want to get my master's in five years and i want to get my doctorate in 10 years what do you want to do and this is God's honest truth. I said, I think I want to marry you, <laughs> 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 and 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 literally, I went on and married her nine months later. She had four kids when she was thirty. She got her doctor, uh, her master's in four years, but waited till our kids were grown and out of the house. She was forty-eight years old when she went back and got her PhD. Wow. Um, so uh, again, my whole point is mindset. Mindset matters, and and literally, she knew what she wanted. And, and 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 it really helped me understand that um, what we think manifests itself in what we end up doing. So uh, you know, she was real clear on what she wanted to do. Uh, I was flying by the seat of my pants most of my life, and I had this book in my uh, in my brain for probably fifteen years. But it's like, how am I going to write it? I'm not a writer. I, you know, I'm not a great in English. I've got all these quotes. I've got all these stories, and then literally, I had a friend say to me, "You know, Steve, there's a company in Charleston um, that literally has a talk your book program." And if you haven't figured it out yet, I can talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so literally, called them up, and 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 it, from the day I said go, six months later, I had a book in my hand. And the lesson from this is for everything you and I hate to do there's somebody else that loves to do it and does it better than we do and that's the whole goal is 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 trying to stay focused on what your core competency are or your high payback activities as i call them in the book and then delegate all of the other things to people who can do it better than you and so that book two weeks after i did it i was in front of an audience of 3,000 people uh and sold enough books to pay for what it cost me to you know have that book done Uh, I wrote it as a legacy for my kids. I wrote it because I didn't have it most of my life. I wrote it uh, because I just felt inspired and compelled to try to help other people go through the learning curve faster than I did myself. And so it's all about being intentional on a personal and professional level. And if I was to go back and change one thing, it would be not balance, but integrate. We're always going to be out of balance. And what I've learned with the people I've worked with and working with myself, it's learning how to integrate faith, family, friends, finance, and fitness all together. Because it's always going to be out of kilter a little bit, but you have got to pay attention to all five of them in order to get the maximum joy and fulfillment out of life.
0: Yeah, that's that's really great. Um, well, I also want to use your book in the book club. So we'll. Uh, uh, when what I do with the uh, f- with fearless journeys is uh, uh, we were doing a book every month, yeah. and then um, I slowed up the pace to once every two months because these books have sh- so much great stuff in them. I said I don't want to fly through a lot of these things. We could really spend a little more time digging in, yeah. and so I send out a little weekly summary for people who are uh, paid members of the fearless journeys uh, community, and they get you know every week a little short you know three to five minute email they can read that summarizes that part of the book. And then after we're done with the book every two months, um, sometimes if I'm lucky to get the author, maybe I'll be lucky to get you if we go through your book. um, I'll bring the author on like a live online Zoom session so that all the members of the community can hear their thoughts about the themes of the book and how it can apply to their lives, and they can ask questions, interact with them. Um, And and it's really, they've been really fun discussions when we've had them. So sometimes I get the author. When I don't get the author, I bring on one of our, you know, we have now like 47 featured innovators in the community. Um, All of them have been on my podcast before. Uh, They're in all sorts of different realms, but a lot of times we'll have a book that that impacted them. So coming up here uh, near the end of July, I think it's like July 21st, I got three of our featured innovators, Dan Lesniak, Claudio Sorrentino, and Sean Gross, who, in the course of knowing them in, in their lives and their careers, uh, they've all mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad to me. And so I finally said, I need to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and let's make that one of our books. So we're reading through Rich Dad, Poor Dad right now by Robert Kiyosaki, who, by the way, is like everywhere right now all of a sudden. I don't know oh, if yeah. it was like this. You know, sometimes you – you uh, it's like I, I picked this book, and then all of a sudden – uh, I see him everywhere on all these podcasts. He was just on Mike Rose podcast and everything. But anyway, so we, we focus on that. So we people, one of the things you just mentioned, you had um, years of thinking about what you wanted to put in this book. You had years of experience and wisdom, things you wanted to leave to your kids and to other people so that you said it um, so that they could learn from your mistakes and your experiences. And that's why I, one of the reasons I love reading books, because I said this before, um, people, literally, I'm going to take years of your life. Uh, I don't know how many months and years of you working on the book and maybe in, I don't know, five or 10 hours, <laughs> I could just steal all that wisdom from you, Steve. Uh, I don't have to go through the the years and whatever to acquire. Now you actually, you know, live the experience and everything, but I can, I can soak that up in a book. And I think that's the beauty of books. Yeah. Also the beauty of books is not just for that, but, um, you know, I just finished reading a few months ago Mark Twain's book, The Innocents Abroad. He took this journey on this steamship in 1869 of all, to across the Atlantic into Europe, into the Holy Land. And I'm sitting there reading this book and thinking, like, I just felt like I was living... Uh, with Mark Twain for you know. these six months or whatever, he was on this journey, uh, but he lived you know, uh, almost 200 years ago <laughs> and uh, and so it's kind of cool that you could almost put yourself on a spot, learn from somebody, kind of connect, have some funny laughs with them in the book um, and so you can kind of connect with people across time through books too.
1: Well, and again, somebody has said the only difference between who we are today and who we will be five years now are the books we read and the people we meet uh, and, and, and books are vehicles to help you expand your horizons, your knowledge, and to your point, it condenses what probably transpired, like in my case, over 35, 40 years into you know, a couple hours of reading. And, 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 and again, I, I don't know everything, but I know a lot, and I, I, I think I learned that from uh, experience, I learned that from books, I learned that from mentors. And so, you know, to me, you, you, know, you need to be a lifelong learner. That's part of the process. That's the only way you get to where you wanna go and and you can either sit there and watch and complain about everybody else and watch them grow and, and that's typically what i find that t- typically people that take action and make stuff happen and then the other people will sit down there and complain or find you know fault with well look at this but he did that or he did that and, and literally you're, you're either in one one wagon or the other you know you're out there making a difference making change and, and we all have the potential to do that and so the question is You know, what are you going to do with that? How are you going to get where you want to be? What's the next book you need to read? You know, make a list of 10 people you want to, that you want to meet. I'm just doing this for one of my clients right now, who is the head of a international uh, nonprofit company. Um, So, uh, and again, one of the books, uh, other books that, you know, kind of coming up for me was called The Power of Thinking Big by Robert Schwartz. Uh, And then, of course, the classic Think and Grow, Grow Rich. Those are both in my top 10. We actually had uh, my brother and I did excerpts from *The Power of Thinking Big*, uh, and made all of the people that came to work with us read it mm. uh, because it helped you think uh, again like an entrepreneur. It helped you get outside of your comfort zone. It, you know, it's kind of the Zig Ziglar "fake it till you make it." You know, you got to start thinking it, doing it, believing it, and achieving it. And so, again, 100% agree. Thank you for doing what you do with your book club and for presenting it through podcasts and other uh, other media venues to, to, to help people be better and to be their best self. And again, that's, that's what I'm here for, to help entrepreneurs and their families to be the best, achieve the best at home, at work, and in the community. Yeah, and, and, thank yeah. you.
0: And you know, you also talked about mentors. You know, that's why we have these different featured innovators in the community. So they could also be mentors for people. I think people need mentors. They need coaches. They need people who, like uh, maybe it was Tommy Newberry but back, backstage for you. That oh, yeah. I mean, that was literally like a coach, right? Yeah. It's like it's like uh, we well, think Tom, about.
1: Tom, well, Tommy was my coach for two and a half years before he was my partner, and then yeah. we just liked each other. We got in business, and again, everybody can use a coach and but everybody is you know w- won't do it i mean you know tiger woods has a coach everybody right, has right. a coach phil mickelson has a coach uh you know tom brady has a coach everybody the best of the best of the best of the best still have coaches that help them be the best and sustain being the best and 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 stay at that uh, that level that they're at
0: yeah i mean when you think about it too and we uh, athletes actually you know have real coach like coaches uh pumping them up on the sidelines giving them strategy things sure. to work on right to go out into the game and to, to perform. Um, and then, but we also, you know, entrepreneurs need coaches. Uh, everybody needs a coach. I mean, just a life coach or, uh, you know, people you can talk to, people, you know, you talked about your, your four you know, best buddies, yeah. uh, people you really can trust. There's a trust factor there. People who believe in you that want to help you. Um, so you know, w- uh, you know that's what, another reason we credit the community. But uh, that's what you do too with Sasari companies, right? So can you just? Uh, I know. We're, I know uh, we only have probably a, a few more minutes left sure. here because uh, uh, you've been very gracious with your time here. But uh, I could probably talk to you for hours, <laughs> and I know you can talk for hours. Uh, <laughs> but uh, tell me why you moved into uh, this sort of coaching and consulting, and what you what you do day to day.
1: Yeah. Well, 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 number one, um, again, I, I, I like to control my time. Uh, I spend a lot of time uh, traveling with my kids and grandkids. Uh, and so I, I like to have a, a business model where I can dial it up or dial it down. So uh, you know, what I have done is gotten to the point where I, I'm in this really happy medium where I can work hard, play hard. And so basically what I focus on is working with a select group of entrepreneurs, um, uh, again, mostly helping coach them uh, through that five five F model. Most of these people are either in uh, a entrepreneurial corporate position uh, or have started their own businesses, uh, and and so we're looking how do I integrate this? You know, the the personal with the professional, the faith, family, friends, finance, fitness, and so you know we'll meet twice a week over the course of probably six months. Uh, I'm sorry, twice a month over the course of six months, and again, it's the basic premise of uh, how we look at life or business is what's working, what's not working and what are we gonna do differently going forward and just really kind of unfold and unwrap where they might be stuck, what are the challenges in their life. Uh, again, it, when you do this long enough, you find that there's uh, you know common things that people get stuck on and then again, it's just helping them find the blind spots in their life and once they understand what the blind spots are, Uh, providing them with the resources either through myself or through my network of people to help them overcome that and free them up to be the best that they can be at home, at work, and in the community. And again, real big on helping people not just make money but make a difference and really love to work with people who are going to have impact and influence. That's why I love doing podcasts, love doing this with you. This is going to impact and influence and hopefully have a ripple effect uh, You know, with with a few people who might talk to a few other people, whatever your listening audience is. And, and, and to me, that's what life is all about. How do I take my life experiences and share them to help other people be better at whatever they're trying to do.
0: That's great. And, Steve, if people are listening and they want to find you, how would they do that?
1: Yeah, the best thing to do is is steve at stevecesari.com is is the easiest way to do it, or Steve at the Cesari Companies. And Cesari Uh, is C-E-S-A-R-I. Okay, great. And, and again, what I'll do uh, for And that will be
0: on the show notes and everything, so I'll put all that in Yeah, and
1: and what I'll do for anybody that reaches out, uh, one of the um, things I did early on in, in, in life when I was in my early 20s was a Dale Carnegie course. And Dale mm-hmm. Carnegie had this little golden book of rules. If you reach out to me, uh, I will send you a digital copy of the golden book of rules, which is still kind of my my bo- go-to Bible today that I've been looking at for over you know 40 years. So uh, it's a great little piece of information and happy to provide that to any of your listeners that reach out and want, want, want more great. information. Well, one of
0: my listeners is always my dad. And, uh, he probably doesn't need that because he's had that golden <laughs> book from, uh, Dale Carnegie for years. He was in sales as well. Oh, so that's awesome. that was the first yeah. time I ever heard about Dale Carnegie. And I've heard about Dale Carnegie much of my life because of my dad. So thank you, dad. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but it, it's proved true. I mean, all, I mean, the reason why so many people, you know, cite him, um, because of, 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 uh, some of that. So that's great. You can contact Steve for that, that golden book, uh, of rules from Dale Carnegie. Um, and, and see one last thing, you know, you talked earlier about Iron Man, uh, That seems like something. um, I don't know if I want to use the word philanthropic, but it's more of a community based thing. And I think that's great. I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, uh, Alexis de Tocqueville, who came to America in the 1830s. And one of the main things he identified of America that was different about our democracy than what he saw in France and other places in Europe was that Americans, in particular, we have these intermediary institutions that are not government and that are not, you know, corporations and that are not. uh, the individual it's yeah. something in between that and that's the community um, so what you kind of described seemed a little bit like what he might have seen in america but things like rotary clubs things like that and and i think that's really great what they're what you're doing with that so on to um if you want to add anything there but i also know that some of those guys uh, you know uh, we talked about uh, me i spent a year you know living and working from guatemala and when you, we were talking about that you mentioned um, some of the guys that were involved in Iron Man had have been involved with a with a charitable charity group and I'd love you to mention that if that, that oh, yeah has spent some time in Guatemala and other places yeah it,
1: it was a, a, a place called the Oasis uh, which was part of an organization called Kids Alive International and they helped to uh, rescue kids out of uh, violent and, and, and sexual situations and uh, the gentleman that ran the Oasis down there uh, his name is Corby Dukes. And, and, and Corby not only rescued these kids through this organization, but he also, uh, over the, his 13-plus years of being down there, uh, went after the perpetrators and had a 70% success rate wow. taking them off the streets. So just an amazing man who lifted up his family and life living here uh not here but in, off of fisher island to go and make this big sacrifice and now he's the new head of kids alive international and just a great organization and again whether it's kids alive or something else you know it's always what i challenge people where can you make a difference uh how can you invest in other people or nonprofits? Uh, to be a facilitator of change in this world because again we're not just here to take from this world we're here to give back and make this world a better place for our kids and the next generation after that as well so uh, again thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, to 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 share that but just a great great uh, organization it's kids alive international you can find them uh, you know online and if you're moved to uh, it would be a great organization to support so
0: Thank you yeah, for Yeah, sa- it, sounds, it sounds great. i um, glad that they're doing that work, and especially in a place like Guatemala, a place that has meant so much to me yeah. now over the last year and more. But um, yeah, Steve, this has been really great having you on the Agents of Innovation podcast. Again, Steve Cesari. Uh, again, the
1: website. Steve at stevecesari.com. Steve at stevecesari.com Steve Steve is his email. Uh, okay, the website sorry. is just stevecesari.com. Okay, stevecesari.com,
0: yeah, That's great. And so you can find him there. Um, and I just really appreciate your time Uh, here, uh, Steve, with me, and uh, thank you for being an agent of of innovation, and thanks for being on the
1: Agents of Innovation podcast. Hey, my pleasure, and thank you for doing it. Thank you for having me on here, and and God bless, and uh, call in, and we'll get you those Dale Carnegie Golden Book of Rules to get you moving in the right direction and take that first action to get and achieve and do whatever it is that uh, you, you are striving to do.
0: Highly recommend it. Please take Steve up on that offer, and thank you for listening.